Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Let's make this declaration together. Ready? Let's read. This is my Bible. It is God's Word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. In Jesus' name, amen. As for me and my house, right? Those were the famous words from Joshua that we find in Joshua chapter 24. Let me just catch us up. He's about 110 years old. And he has led the people of God into the promised land. Not a word failed of any promise that God had made to his people. And the Bible says that God actually gave his people rest among all of their enemies. And these are like uh, the famous last words of a man of God who served and lived for God. And he's calling God's people to a place of renewal, of commitment in their serving and their living for God. And we find those words in Joshua 24, 15. Let me read it to us. He says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Remember, I talked about polytheism, worship of more than one God. They were accustomed to that. It was all over the place. It was part of the culture in which they lived among. So he's saying, listen, you got to make up your mind. you got to serve the one true God. And then over here it says this, final words, he says, but as for me, come on, say it with me, and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think there's so much in those words. Keep this in mind. He's not saying me and the building we live in, house. He's talking about his family, right? His family, his kids, his grandkids. And I also believe he's prophetically making a declaration for generations to come. Amen? So we've been on this series and we're calling it As For Me and My House. And, and the subtitle is important. Rediscovering God's heart to save, heal, and restore whole families. So we've begun looking at this, if we can call it a divine strategy, like a plan, a roadmap from God that involves what we can do, what we can say, and what we can pray. Do, say, and pray. Come on, say those three words with me. Do, say, and pray. Yeah, in partnership with God's Spirit so that we can see more of our family saved, healed, and restored. Now, I want to just catch us up. The first week, if you remember, we made a case for the fact that God's not just passionate about you, and me, as an individual being saved, he's passionate 
about seeing whole families come into the family of God. That's all over the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. So there is a biblical foundation for believing God for the salvation of our kids, our spouses, our grandkids, and even generations to come. And then the second week, we made a biblical case for one of the best things that you and I can do to ensure our family sees Jesus through our lives and give our family a chance to make a decision to serve God and come into a relationship with Him. One of the best things we can do is we can make a firm decision to serve God faithfully. Can somebody say amen? Amen. It's important that I serve God faithfully as a Christian. Why is that such a big deal? Because you and I can tell our families what we know and what we believe. But at the end of the day, they watch what we do and how we live. Amen? So how we live, it's important how we live. It's what we can do to start. Now, today, uh, I want to continue. I'm going to give some new, some new information here, a new, new trajectory. I want to start with a riddle. Riddle me this, Batman. You ready? Here's a riddle. I possess the power to build someone up or to tear someone down. What am I? Any takers? I am your words. Come on. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody, family member or a friend, and you said something that was not so godly, we'll just put it that way, maybe a little harsh, maybe a little cutting or cruel, and it changed in just a moment, the atmosphere, it changed the interaction between you and whoever you were talking with, and it became awkward, and then maybe even a little divisive. I have, and we walk away from those conversations realizing, well, that didn't reflect the heart of God very much, right? And we realize that. Or you say um, something good, and you have a good conversation with a family member. I mean, you talk about what you're going to do over the weekend. You talk about the kids, and you talk about some of the decor, or you talk about a project you're doing around the house, guys, whatever. It was a good conversation, and you walk away realizing, wow, what an opportunity I had to say something about Jesus And I missed it. Come on, anybody ever been there besides me? Right? We miss those opportunities. Let's keep in mind, your words and my words, they they, they paint pictures in people's hearts. and, And they stir emotions in people's inner beings. Your words and my words, they have the ability to encourage, to put courage in someone or to kind of deflate and discourage someone. The Bible says your words and my words actually carry the power of death and life in them. So they're like these little containers. They're invisible, but they're these little containers that carry power in them to strengthen and build or to bring death and to tear down. And it's up to you and I to engage God's help so that we're saying the right things to our unsaved family members. So the title of today's message is real simple. What can I say 
to ensure my family is saved. And here's a subtitle. It's important. Speaking words that are gracious and attractive. Come on, would you say that subtitle with me, church? Speaking words that are gracious and attractive. And I want to look at Colossians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, the writer, the Apostle Paul, he's encouraging the church, that's you and I, in how we interact with people that aren't Christians, that aren't in the family. This is going to be such a practical teaching. It's going to have spiritual truth, but it's going to be something that you and I are going to be able to start using the moment we leave our gathering today. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Look at what it says. He says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Look at verse 6. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Now, let's pause and just identify a couple of things in verse 5. He says, live wisely. Now, let me just clarify. He's not talking about street smarts. He's not talking about being sharp like the world would have us to think we need to be. When he says live wisely, he's talking about the wisdom that comes from God. He's talking about the wisdom that's available to you and I as sons and daughters of God. He's he's talking about living uprightly. He's talking about living honestly and godly before people, especially people in your family that are not believers. Does anybody beside me have anybody in their family that is not saved? Okay? We all got people. So he's saying, listen, pay attention to how you're talking with those people in your family. Make the most of every opportunity. Make sure your words count. Don't waste them. Don't talk foolishly. Talk wisely. Verse 6, let your conversation, speech, the words that you use, notice, be gracious and attractive. Let your words be gracious and attractive. The word gracious means courteous. It means kind. It means pleasant. What's the opposite of gracious? I'm give you a couple examples. Cruel. Harsh. Abrasive. Or painful. Right? Don't do that. Let, let your words be gracious. Look at he says not only gracious, but attractive. Attractive. Beautiful. Loving, winning, winsome, right? What's the opposite of attractive? Ugly, unloving, unattractive. I'll even say this, repelling, right? Don't use words that are repelling. Use words that are attractive, right? So this verse is telling you and I that there's available to us A wise, God kind of way that we should talk to people, especially to family, if we want to see them come into a relationship with Christ. Now, I need to say this and just be right up front. I don't think it's a secret, but the Bible's going to substantiate this. This kind of conversation, this kind of speech, using these kinds of words, 
does not come naturally to us. Come on, amen. As a matter of fact, it's impossible without God's help. Look at James chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. We're talking about what can I say to ensure my family is saved. We're talking about speaking with words that are gracious and attractive. James 3, 8 through 10, this is what it says. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Little Johnny, he was playing with his Legos in the living room one morning. He's about seven years old now. He understands things quite clearly. His parents were really young, 24, 25 years old. And they were preparing dinner, and they got a little bit of a, let's say, uh, intense fellowship. Intense fellowship. And as they were going through the intense fellowship over one thing or another, uh, little Johnny's mom began to accuse his father. If it wasn't for you getting me pregnant at such a young age, I wouldn't have to be dealing with little Johnny all the time. And now, because of that, I'm not able to fulfill my dreams in getting my college degree so that the career that I thought I should have really takes off. And then she storms over into the bedroom and slams the door. And then little Johnny, he's just left there kind of wondering what's going on because he's right in the middle of this. His name's flying all over the place and he looks to his dad and his dad says, come over here, little Johnny. And he takes little Johnny out the front door and he says, you see that airplane going across the sky, little Johnny? Yeah, I was going to be a pilot. I was going to be one of the guys who flew planes like that. But you heard your mother because we got pregnant and you came along. Now everything changed. And the dream that I had to be an airline pilot is shattered. And little Johnny's dad just went into the garage and he started working on a project. Do you think little Johnny was just talking about the argument that his mom and dad had? Or do you think little Johnny was talking about the words that penetrated his little heart and his little soul in that moment, taking all of the blame for mom and dad not being able to do what they really wanted to do. Can you understand how that could affect little Johnny, the power of those words coming into his heart and into his mind? See, you and I understand that in that scenario, how it could affect a child. But God wants to remind us that it affects adults in the same way too especially when we're talking to people that are in our families but aren't saved. Notice this scripture says, no one can tame the tongue. Now, what this means is that no one on their own, apart from the power of God, can tame the tongue. But you and I as children of God, if we'll learn to lean on Him, and if we'll learn to lean on the Holy Spirit, He'll help us to bring our hearts and our minds and our tongues 
and our words into alignment under Him so that we're speaking gracious and attractively to our friends and family. Can you say amen? So I want to just give us three things that we can say to ensure that our family is saved. Now listen, I realize we can't make people get saved. But what we do and how we communicate with our family either reflects the heart of the Father or doesn't. Three things. If you're taking notes, here's the first fill in the blank. The first thing I can say, say what God says. Would you say that with me, church? Say what God says. Well, how do we know for sure what God says about circumstances, about relationship, about life, about finances, about kids, about marriage? How do we know for sure? You know, in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and he says this, and this is easy to remember, 17, 17, 17, 17. John chapter 17, verse 17, he says, your word is truth. He says, God, sanctify the disciples by your word. And then he says, your word, come on, say it with me, is truth. So how do we know what God says? His word is truth. You can never go wrong with discovering what the scriptures say about a certain situation or a certain circumstance, or something a family member is dealing with, and then you learn to say what God says. We always want to speak the truth. And Jesus said, your word is truth. This is not new. This is rooted in the Old Testament scriptures. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 through 21. God's instructing Moses, and Moses is speaking to the people of God on behalf of God. And he says this, Therefore, you shall lay up, lay up. This isn't lay up like in basketball. This word lay up means to impress, or to imprint, or to store. He says, therefore, you shall lay up, notice this, these words of mine. God is speaking through Moses. These words of mine. Notice where you lay them up. In your heart and in your soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. That's the center of who you are, your heart. Notice this. And bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Now, I believe that God was speaking figuratively, but we have plenty of evidence that the, God, the, the people of God took this literal, and they would take the Scriptures, and upon a little bit of study, just a little bit of research, you can find that these frontlets between your eyes were called phylacteries. Phylacteries. P-H-Y-L-A-C. T-E-R-I-E-S. And phylacteries were a little, small leather box. And they would put God's scriptures or words from the law on pieces of parchment or on paper. And then they would put the scriptures, God's words, in those little boxes. And they would attach them to their foreheads. And they would attach them to their hands. And they would attach them to their doorposts. Quite literally, they wanted to lay up, store up, impress upon their hearts and their family's hearts, 
the words of God so that they're reminded about saying what God says. They're reminded about what does God say about this? What does God say about that? Look at verse 19. You shall teach them to your children. Wow. Parents, grandparents, you shall teach them to your children. How? Listen, speaking of them, what's the them? God's words, right? Speaking of them when you sit in your house, you're around the table, you're in the living room, you're in the backyard. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Notice the centrality of the words of God, of listening to what God says. Notice God is very intentional about having His words get down into the hearts of our families and into our children. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You ever been into a house where you might see a scripture on the wall? Any of you have scriptures on your wall, in your kitchen, on a pillowcase? I think that would be a modern way to think about that. You go into rooms and you see John 3.16 or you see Joshua 24.15 or you see Psalm 91. Come on, anybody see Psalm 91 in somebody's house? So you want to put the scriptures and the words of God. Notice verse 21, so powerful. That your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land. That's the land of promise. That's God's land of which the Lord swore to your father had, your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is a promise, right? To give them, notice, like the days of the heavens above the earth. Just one day after another, one year after another, one generation after another, after another. And God wants for His people to speak and to say what He says. So much so that He encourages us. Lay these words up in your heart. Lay them up in your kid's heart. Lay them up in your home. Make them part of your everyday coming and going. When you get up, when you're walking around the road, when you're playing with the kids, when you're going to sleep, when you're having dinner, make sure that this is part of your vocabulary. Notice he didn't say, take your kids to church and give them to Krista. Take your kids to church and let the youth pastor teach them. Now they have a part, but you know who has the bigger part? Parents. Grandparents. Listen, no condemnation. If your kids are older, it's not too late. Not too late. Start speaking God's words. Start saying what God says. Mom, what do I do about this? Well, son, it really doesn't matter what I think you should do about this. You know what God says? You should do this. You're dropping seeds. You're pointing them to Jesus, no matter how old they are. Amen. That's the first thing we can say. Remember this, though, okay? This is a big deal. When you speak what God says and when you speak the truth, the Bible tells us, that's always supposed to be spoken in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love, that they may grow up into Him in all things. If you speak the truth, but it's not attractive and it's harsh and it's mean or it's demeaning, that's repelling. 
So we want to speak the truth in love. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. So speaking God's truth, His Word over and to our families is the first thing we could say. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Begin to allow your Word to be God's Word. Fill your heart. Fill your mouth with God's words. Every question your kids, every question your spouse, every question in life that family has, what an opportunity to say what God says. Number two, next, if you're taking notes, what can I say? Say what the Holy Spirit brings to mind. Let's leave that up there and let's say it together. Come on. Say what the Holy Spirit brings to mind. Well, Pastor Robert, that sounds very similar to the first point. Well, let me, let me delineate, okay? Listen. It's not just truth. It's not just saying what the Bible says. It's the right truth at the right time for the right circumstance, for the right problem that they might be going through. Amen? This is how Jesus did it. You have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had in you. I want to just bring to our mind John 12, 49. Uh, I don't know if it will be on the screen or not, but this is a great place to include it. Jesus said this, listen, I have never spoken on my own authority or of my own accord or as self-appointed. Listen to this. But the Father who sent me has himself given me orders concerning what to say and what to tell. So just because you know the answer and just because you have some of the truth, that doesn't necessarily mean you just blurt that out. God wants us to learn to listen from the inside to the Holy Spirit that lives in here and say what He brings to mind. Not what your flesh and my flesh thinks I should say. And when I say flesh, I mean that old sinful nature apart from living with God. We all got that guy that wants to keep coming up and taking control of our thinking and our words. So when we're interacting with family members, it's important to remember, oh my, this is something really important that's being said to me right now. You don't have to say it out loud, but you're thinking... Holy Spirit, Lord, God, like, what should I say? What do you want me to say in this moment? What's, 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 it, what's the thing they need to hear? Right? Don't, don't just say what you think they need to hear, especially if it's harsh, especially if it's cutting. I think that sometimes we forget how practical the Holy Spirit is. Remember, Jesus said he would be your helper. He wants to even help you in how you're communicating with your family. We need to learn to listen on the inside to what the Holy Spirit would have us to stay instead of just saying what we think we should say. Look at Galatians chapter 5. I've never really thought about Galatians 5, 22 and 23 as it relates to our words and how we communicate with family members. But I, I believe the Lord is showing me something here, and I want to show it to you. Notice Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit 
of the Spirit. How many of you ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit, right? The nine different characteristics that we're going to read. But, but what's the fruit of the Spirit? Notice, notice what it says. The result of His presence within us. So what's the fruit of the Spirit? Listen. The result of His presence within us. When it says fruit, not talking about apples. He's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit producing something of Christ in you and in me. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, notice this, very first thing is love. Now watch this. I love the Amplified. Unselfish concern for others. What's love? Unselfish concern for others. That should frame in what I'm going to say. That should frame in how I'm going to communicate. That should frame in whatever it is God wants to say through me to my family member. Notice the list. It produces joy, inner peace, patience. Not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. And let me apply that to conversation. I know you're not like this, like I am sometimes. But we're in the middle of a conversation with somebody, and I can't wait till they finish talking so I can tell them what they need to do. Come on. You got the answer right there. You got it, especially guys. We need to get better at that. And this is applicable to our conversation. Notice. Notice. Patience. Not the ability just to wait, but how we act while we're waiting. Don't cut them off. Don't interrupt them. Be patient. Allow the Holy Spirit to produce in you that patience and act gracious and kind while you're waiting for them for the response that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. Notice he says, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Watch this. Remember it said no one can tame the tongue? Look at verse 23. self Control. Self-control. Now, let's clarify that, okay? I want to be very elementary. When it says self-control, that doesn't mean that in and through my own ability, my own self, I can control myself. This is talking about the man or the woman of God who's got the Holy Spirit living in them, and they're learning to yield to His power and His presence and His fruit at work within us. And then when we do that, and as we're learning to do that, He gives us the ability to come under His control. Amen. And when we come under His control, we have the ability to control ourselves under His control. Can somebody say amen? amen. That's what that means. So the second thing we got to remember when we're communicating with family members who aren't in the family we need to say what the Holy Spirit brings to mind. The Holy Spirit thinks. He has a mind. He has emotions. He speaks. And He's God. Amen. He's not just a force. He's not a ghost. He's not just this power source. He's a person. And He communicates with your spirit and brings words and thoughts to your mind. 
See, relying on the Holy Spirit to help us to say the right thing unlocks our ability to say the right thing when speaking with family members who aren't saved. Regardless of what they say to you, regardless of how they act towards you, if we can learn to do this, our interactions and our conversations will always be gracious and attractive. Words from God's Spirit will always plant seeds from God and will lead to further conversation about your relationship with God. And then, when they need to talk to somebody, guess who they're going to call? They're going to call you, and they're going to call me, and we'll be able to point them to Jesus and the love of our Father. How many of you are going to gather with some family over holidays? Friends or family, somebody. You're going to gather with your spouse, right? I am. I want to give you uh, three practical ways you don't want to engage in conversation over the holidays. These are very, very practical, okay? You can write these down. Number one, don't say hurtful things. Don't say hurtful words. I promise if we gather with family, you might be around family who knows how to push your buttons or who may get joy out of pushing your buttons who, who may rub you the wrong way, make a decision now. Pre-plan it. I'm not going to say hurtful words. Why? Because words are powerful and they carry death or life. Here's the second thing you don't want to say and you don't want to have conversation like this. Don't argue. Come on, so simple, so practical. Say it with me. Don't argue. I can promise you, if you're gathering with somebody, just one other person, you'll probably have an opportunity to argue. Don't take the bait. Amen. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to use you to bring words that are gracious, words that are attractive. Put that on a detour. I have a family member who <clears throat> a lot of times when we're having a conversation this family member begins to bring up what other family members are doing wrong and why she's upset with other family members. And then the conversation begins to go off track. In speaking with another family member of mine says, you know what, when I talk to her, that happens to us too. Same thing. I said, I know, I don't know how to deal with it. I don't want to be rude. She told me, listen, brother, just tell her, I want to change the direction of the conversation because I love all of my family. Let's talk about something else. So practical. But it's such a wise thing to do because we don't want to get sucked into conversations that will ultimately end up in an argument. We don't want to go there as God's people. So you say amen. Here's the third thing you don't want to do and you don't want to engage in conversation like this. Don't dig up the negative past. Amen. Come on. When you get with family... There's always a little bit of negative past that somebody wants to dig up. Let's revisit that. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about what they said, what they did, what they didn't say, what they didn't do, what they should have done, what mom and dad wanted them to do. Blah, 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 blah. Digging it up, digging it up. And what happens? It just creates all kinds of bad feelings and emotions, and it just gets you in an unhealthy conversation. God hates gossip. 
God hates that kind of talk. So just preparing for the holidays. Remember, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit, what the Spirit produces within the believer is love. That's the very first thing that He wants to produce. Remember that you are a branch and Jesus is the, come on, say it, vine. Look at John 15. John 15, 5. Jesus said this. I'm the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Now let me pause. When he says remains in me, he doesn't mean when we mess up, he cuts us off or we out of the family. You're in the family. You're in him and he's in you. You're one. But when he says, the one who remains in me, think about your conversation with your family. In that moment where you just want to let the words fly, you're going to give them a piece of your mind. You're going to tell them how it really is. You're going to tell them where to go. Don't do that. Remember you're a branch. Remember Jesus is divine. And in that moment, make a decision to remain in him in that moment. Notice he goes on and he says, for otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. So if you just let the words fly, if you give them a piece of your mind, you're not remaining in him in the moment, and now you're cut off from vital union with him, and you won't be able to produce the fruit of Christ-likeness in your conversation. Branches don't produce fruit. Jesus, by His Spirit, produces fruit. So what kind of fruit do you want to come from your words? Good fruit. Good fruit. If we want the fruit of God, we need the Holy Spirit to help us communicate what He brings to our mind. Proverbs 12, 18, just a note, write it down. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. The words of the wise bring healing. Pastor Robert, this is hard. I can't do it. Neither can I. Apart from Him. But, learning to live from the presence of God at work within us, we can do it through Him. Let me just ask this question. We're, we're getting ready to close, but let me just, a couple more things. Let me ask this question. What releases God's presence and power within us so that we can communicate in a loving and gracious and kind way? I'm going to give you an answer. It's probably not what you think, okay? Here's the answer. Humility. Listen, let this go deep. Humility. What is biblical humility? I'm going to give you a definition as I understand it. Biblical humility is a willful act of the heart to lower oneself under God and what He wants. That's humility. And the Bible says that when we respond with a spirit of humility, God releases 
more and more grace power in and through our lives. Let me prove it to you, James 4, 6. But he gives us more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency. In the context, it was talking about the tendency of being friendly with the world. But in our context, we can have a tendency just to let words fly that are not of God. And so when we're humble, it goes on and it says this, that is why he says God sets himself against the proud and haughty, but notice gives grace continually to the lowly, those who are humble enough to receive it, to receive his grace. But remember in verse 6, it says grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. That works within your life. So if you want to release the power of the Holy Spirit, you humble yourself before the Lord in your conversations. Say what He wants you to say instead of what you want to say and make yourself available to be used by Him. He releases the power of the Holy Spirit and more and more grace, enabling you to say the right thing at the right time. Notice the word proud, right? He's against the proud. He's against the proud. Proud is a person independent of God. He doesn't think he needs God's help. So this person doesn't even look to God. The opposite is humble. This person is dependent on God. He knows he needs God and therefore chooses to look to God and lean on Him in the moment. When this happens, God will speak through you words that He can use to draw family to Himself. Amen? Last fill in the blank. Finally, what can I say to ensure my family is safe? Number three, say things that bring life and strength. Come on, say it with me. Say things that bring life and strength. Let me just read this, Proverbs 16, 24. Listen. Can you put that back up there for me, please, Vinny? Say things that bring life and strength. You got that, Matthew? <laughs> Proverbs 16:24 Listen. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Here's a last verse. You could just make a note, Ephesians 4:29. Don't use foul or abrasive or abusive language. Let everything you say be good. And what's the rest of it? Anybody have it? Ephesians 4.29. Let everything you say that comes out of your mouth be good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Grace to the hearers. So I'm going to just wrap everything up. So what can we say to ensure that our family is saved? I can say what God says. The right words at the right time by the Spirit. Words that bring life and encouragement to my family. Amen. Did you receive from the Word and the Spirit? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.